0: This episode is a bit of a follow on from the last episode. So if the last one piqued your interest as in, why do I gift conditionally? Why do I gift with an expectation of return? Then this may well be for you. And this is about why we might people please and how we can begin to stop needing to. And this was actually part of an interview that I did with the Mail Online for a feature on people pleasing. And Let's start with why we do it. Well, the simplest reason is we've learned how to, we've learned we have to, we've learned we need to. Perhaps we were taught by our parents that we needed to fit in or maybe they even role modeled fitting in. And therefore, we just do the right thing, because this is actually especially common in second generation migrant children whose parents took the brunt of the you're different. And therefore, didn't want to stand out. So, by being nice to people, by people pleasing, it became a strategy to become accepted. Maybe we were told or taught we had to be nice, or maybe we were always praised for being nice. For example, oh, that's Audrey. She's so nice. She's so responsible. She's so nice to everybody. And we begin to take this on as part of our identity. Alternatively, we may have had to learn to please to avoid getting into trouble. And this can happen if our immediate caregivers were very dominant or had other issues themselves, and we simply didn't want to rock the boat. And reward is the first behavior modification strategy we're exposed to, even though we don't consciously realize it. We do something good, we get a gold star. And this practice works just as well in the home as well as it does in the classroom. So before we realize it, we've been trained, a little bit like a dog, to do what gets us the treat. So let's think about what the negative effects of people pleasing are. Well, you're anxious. You're always anxious about whether you've done enough, whether you're good enough, whether people like you, whether they'll actually move on to someone else. And you might even become quite overwhelmingly consumed with how to make sure they still hold on to you. I used to use one of the biggest tricks in the people pleaser playbook give them stuff. And now I realize that people actually worth pleasing, and I use that in inverted commas, can't be bought. Worse than the anxiety that we feel is the lack of empowerment. You forget who you are, save in relation to being validated by others. And I was then asked about my own experience of people pleasing. And I absolutely am a people pleaser. And I'm really, really working on it. I've always been an organiser, an instigator, a hub. And eight times out of 10, I probably enjoyed it or probably enjoyed the end result. But I began to notice that the act of organising was becoming more of a habit and even a chore. It was at the point where I was organizing events for people I didn't really want to see, let alone host. And I had less and less time for the friends I was really missing. Another thing I did was I was always offering loads of hopefully good advice, partly because it's my job and partly because I worried that if I didn't, that person would think less of me. But that advice was not necessarily being taken. So desperate was I to help that even without it being solicited directly, without being asked, I would respond to those cryptic "You okay, hun posts on social media with a page of possible solutions. And of course, none of it would be taken because that's not the reason that person was reaching out, but I couldn't see that. But the problem is I then spend the rest of the day trying to persuade them to take some sort of action, which ultimately they never would. It was a waste of my time and energy. Another thing I did was I continued to pursue relationships, which I'd felt run their cause because I struggled with being rejected, even though I actually wanted to reject that relationship as well. I collected strays because I wasn't clear with my boundaries. My husband still jokes that we can't move house again just to avoid people simply turning up at our door. So how do I manage this inner people pleaser? Well, I transferred four very simple behaviors over from my coaching. So from my professional life, I went into my personal life. Number one is I wait to be directly asked for something. I don't read between the lines and offer. Even then, I'll answer honestly Although politely. So, if I don't want to, I will often say that I'd already planned to do something else. Or if a hint has been dropped in front of me, I now say, Oh, great idea. You let me know when you've organized that. Number two, if I'm on the receiving end of a rant, I will ask, Well, what is most helpful to you for me to do right now? I don't mind offering solutions if that's what's wanted, but I also don't mind being a sounding board. But I have also realized it's better for everyone involved in this situation to know what's needed. And that way, also, I don't interrupt being a good listener with problem solving. Number three, if my advice is not wanted, even when it was sought, I wish them well and get on with my life. And I do, however, think twice before I offer anything again. And now I actually ask first, do you want my advice or my validation? Number four, I buy time before responding. And I know that saying yes doesn't necessarily mean, oh, it's nothing. It was easy for me. So rather than agreeing straight away to something I'm unsure about, I will generally say, I need to check my calendar first and then I'll let you know. Often this is actually true, but it also buys me time to think of a reason why I can't do something if I realize I don't actually want to do it. And if I do end up helping out when I really didn't want to, I no longer make it look easy or dismiss it with, oh, it's nothing. I will say things like, I can do it this time, but I also have to do X, Y, and Z, or yes, I can do that, but I've got so much on myself. And finally, I also don't give out my address to just anyone. You have to at least have made the Christmas card list. So my final thoughts on people-pleasing. Cooley talks about the looking-glass self. We see ourselves reflected in the eyes of others. But this can mean as you evolve, other people's perceptions of you also need to evolve. And that can lead to conflict. And people used to you being super agreeable may well respond to any form of boundary setting with, oh, you've changed or don't be like that or why are you being so rude? And you do need to be brave at this point and use it as an opportunity to make your boundary clear. You might wish to ask, well, what do you mean like that? Or what do you mean changed? Or what do you mean rude? And maybe ask them to explain why they're upset with you saying no. So often... When people call us selfish, it's because they actually want to be selfish. And you know what? If they still don't understand, perhaps you really need to ask yourself, how much value does their relationship bring to me? I don't like being disliked, but sometimes it's the brave and the most appropriate thing for me to do on the broader scale as well as the personal scale. Brene Brown said, setting boundaries means I'm seen as a little less nice, but I'm a whole lot better. And that's true. Your capacity and capability to please is a positive, but it is really important to be discerning. My good friends are happy to work a little bit harder themselves if they want to get together. And fewer of those who just wanted a pleaser rather than a friend actually now seek my counsel and company. Both circumstances are a win. I have more time and energy to devote to those I prioritize and to my life overall. And yes, I may have a smaller circle but it's more valuable and it has been vastly enriched.